Acts chapter 4 tonight, please. Thank God for His amazing grace. In our Sunday night series, we're going through the book of Acts, seeing what it means to be a church in action. We'll pick up where we left off here in just a minute. Last week, we continued considering Peter and John standing before the council. They had been arrested. They ended up spending a night in jail, all for preaching the resurrection of the dead through Christ Jesus. The crippled beggar has been healed in the previous chapter through the power of God and faith in Christ, and they were asked by what power or by what name they performed the miracle. They told them, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they said, He's the headstone of the corner, which was set at not of you builders. And then He said, there's only one way to have salvation. That's through Christ. Despite not being qualified in man's eyes, not being educated in their schools, the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and they concluded that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> That's a take a lap moment right there. Viewing Peter and John and the healed man, they couldn't say anything against it. The Bible says they couldn't deny it. They privately tried to figure out what are we going to do about these men that are out there preaching the resurrection. They threatened them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. To which Peter and John famously replied, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, they had a personal experience with Jesus. The things that we have seen, the things that we have heard. I hope you have that kind of experience with Christ. Now, as I say often, if you miss these messages, will you please go back and listen to them? Um, I don't just get up here because it's, you know, fun. But I want you to get something out of it. So when I do these recaps, it's usually just pointing out the, the facts. We don't really get into what's been really talked about. So... All right, tonight, Acts chapter 4, let's read verses 21 through 23. <laughs> so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done, for the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Peter and John said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We see in verse 21, the council now threatens them further. I don't know what that means. We really mean it. I don't know what that means. But they threaten them further. And the intent, obviously, is to intimidate them, to put fear into them. And this is how the religious elites were governing in Israel, in, in Judea at that time. They had put fear 
into the hearts of the people. If you are an outcast in the eyes of the council, your life was no longer as pleasurable. It was more difficult to even sell and buy things. Because if you were shunned by the synagogue, you were a marked man. And if somebody, it was so bad that if somebody was walking down the road on your side, we, let's say we banished Ken Long from Liberty Baptist, and we're walking on the same side of the road, I would actually go to the other side of the road and not even interact at all. So it was a big deal. And, and they had put fear into the hearts of the people. You may recall in John chapter 9, Jesus gave a man who had been born blind his sight. The healed man was brought before the Pharisees. And the man explains what Jesus had done. The Pharisees didn't like his answer. <laughs> so they called the man's parents. And they asked them, How did your son receive his sight? And they say, basically, he's of age, ask him. Well, we read in John 9, 22, These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had, great, uh, had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So that was the threat. And, and listen, this was a real threat in those days. For many of you to be kicked out of church is like a badge of honor, amen? You're like, oh yeah, this is my 50th church in the city. <laughs> you, know, you got the sash. That's the way. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't know anybody like that here. But since I'm here talking about this, I can't pass up saying, uh, reading what the man said once he was questioned again. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. <laughs> That's good. But the point is, the council and the religious elites, they're, they're ruling by fear. And so they further threaten Peter and John. We're not told what the threat was, but they had the authority to imprison them, to beat them or scourge them. And we'll see both of those happen in the next chapter. And we know from how they treated Jesus, even though they no longer had authority to issue capital punishment, they could arrange circumstances and get very sneaky on how they did things, and they could have brought them before Pilate somehow and, and even cried out for their crucifixion. And so this is a powerful group of people here. Jesus had already told his followers in John 16 too, Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. So these are serious threats. Now, I don't know if we understand sometimes in our mindset, you know, our American Christianity. But, but these are serious threats, and they're not idle threats. Whatever the threat was, we can be sure it's a step up from just being in jail for a night. That's what happened here. They're threatening them further. And given how they beat them in the next chapter, I am assuming that's what they're threatening them with. So the council further threatened them, but since they found nothing of how they might punish them, they decide to let them go. And then notice in verse 21, they did so... Because of the people. Remember from verse 1 that this was the religious, um, this was the problem with, with these folks here in Judea. They were so concerned about the Romans. Peter and John here, they're fearing God more than man, but the council is fearing man more than God. They were always trying to keep any commotion from getting bigger 
I'm down with that, though. Amen. And so they, <laughs> here's this event at the temple. This man gets healed. He's walking, leaping, praising God. People start flocking over to him. They're, they're being crowded over against Solomon's porch. And, man, they come rushing in. We, we can't have an uproar. We can't have a commotion. Because if it gets the Romans' attention, they're going to come in. And they were concerned they were going to come in and take our city and our sanctuary. We, we covered that before. And, and they were concerned about this because, not because they were zealous for God, but the temple was where the money was made. Well, I mentioned this recently, but in Matthew 21, members of the council, they also came to Jesus and they asked Him, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave Him His authority? Uh, who, who gave thee your authority? And Jesus asked them in response, the baptism of John, whence was it? And of course, they reason amongst themselves. Man, if we say it's from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, why didn't you believe John? And if we say it's of men... Everybody thinks this guy's a prophet, and we're going to be looked at, the people are going to be upset with us if we say that. This is how it's worded. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. They're not fearing God. We fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. In Matthew 26, the council assembles together. They consulted how they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Let's keep things under control here. We don't want to cause a big stir. The council figures if they punish Peter and John any further than one night in jail here, then it's going to cause an uprise among the people. Because everybody saw this, everybody's believing this, and the, the council did not want this unwanted attention, right? They, they wouldn't jeopardize their way of life and status in Jerusalem. And so they fear the people because at the end of verse 21 it says, All men glorified God for that which was done. This miracle on the crippled beggar. And, and many conversions had been taking place. They couldn't deny it. They couldn't say anything against it. And notice that the people were glorifying God for what was done. They were not glorifying Peter and John. This means that Peter and John were doing exactly as they were taught. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23.5 But all their works they do for to be seen of men. And, and as a church in action, we aren't in this for our glory. This is all for God's glory. Isn't it great how this early church in action is keeping their focus and everybody else's focus on God? That's what they're doing. They're making sure in their message, this is about God. This is about Jesus. And, and they're letting the council know the same thing. And, and that's what Jesus said to do. Remember in chapter 3 when Peter first began to address the multitude that's beholding this crippled man that's been healed. They're, they're in amazement. He said, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? And then he preaches Christ. Don't think that, that we did this. Amen. Hey, what's going on down there at Liberty? Well, I tell you, we got great programs. Okay, well, um, let's move on. 
They weren't building ministries. I'm just going to meddle for a little bit. They weren't building ministries with their names attached to them. This event in Acts chapter 3, continuing on here, this event of healing this man did not lead to the beginning of the St. Peter's Apostolic Healing Ministries International. It didn't lead to St. John, the disciple who Jesus loved, ministries. Listen, I think it's sad that we live in a day where it's about the man more than about God. Gary Brooks Ministries. Where we teach you about inclusios. I'm so happy about that. Amen. We, we hear of these ministries, we know by their name, but we can't tell you what church they're a part of. Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Joyce Meyer Ministries. Go on and on, right? And they have their websites in their own name promoting their own ministries. And, and really what's happening is they're moving out from under the authority of the local church. They've decided to bring more glory to themselves than to God. In many, in many of those cases, they're nothing more than charlatans peddling a false prosperity gospel. They're making money in Jesus' name. You may not want my opinion, but here you go. Building ministries pointing to men and building ministries in the name of men is wrong. Now, I'm, I will tell you I'm willing to be taught further. Maybe there's some crazy tax law that I don't quite understand. But I don't see how a ministry in man's name is bringing glory to God. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 16, 15, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Jesus said in John seven eighteen, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So I just want to tell you, be careful about those ministries. They, they are seeking to build upon their name, their star power, and making hyped up promises in the name of prosperity. Be careful about those who seek to have the preeminence among men. Third John verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. And don't think this mindset can't creep into churches like ours. Just look at what happened to the disciples before Jesus was crucified. They were disputing among themselves, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Well, they got all that figured out. It's going to be God, amen. All right. So why do you do what you do for God? Why do you do what you do for this church body? Is it to be recognized and glorified? Or are your good works bringing glory to your Father which is in heaven? Listen, it, it's not always about what you can get out of the church. What can you do for the church? Now in verse 22, we see this miracle of healing was performed on a man who was above the age of 40. <laughs> I'm a man, I'm 40. <laughs> Amen. Um, th this is given to show the certainty of this miracle. It could not be dismissed as a fluke. He was born in this condition. 
He had lived in this condition for 40 years or, or more. He, he's never walked a day in his life. And all means of being cured now are really kind of past in man's eyes. Everything would have been tried. Everything would have been exhausted at this point. And, and there's, there's just really, you just kind of say, okay, that's what it is. This is how he's going to live. But with God, all things are possible. And remember from early on in chapter 3, this was a man that Jesus and the disciples would have passed many times when they went to the temple. This guy was daily at the beautiful gate. And they would have passed him before, but it wouldn't be until God's time was right that God would then heal this man. You see, our times are in God's hands. This miracle took place in God's timing for the confirmation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God decided when I get the maximum glory, I will heal this man. They passed him for three and a half years or whatever. And yet nobody ever locked eyes on him like they did in chapter 3. It was God's timing. And there are situations in our life when we begin to wonder, Lord, why aren't you working? Have you been there? Lord, it's been 40 minutes. Why aren't you working? It's been 40 days, Lord. It's been 40 weeks. It's been 40 months. And some of you I know from talking with you, it's been 40 years plus. God, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you working? Where are you, God? This miracle would be at just the right time to show that Jesus was alive and that God would get the glory, that, that there's power in Christ's name. And all I can tell you is don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up trusting in God. Don't give up on God. At, at God's appointed time, He begins to work. He works on His time schedule for His glory. Let patience have her perfect work. That you may be entire and complete and wanting nothing. Something like that. Maybe this points for me because I desire for God to give us a larger facility so bad that I find myself continually asking the Lord, why aren't you bringing this to pass? I really don't understand. Just being honest with you, I, I don't understand why. I, sometimes I feel like Asaph over there in the Psalms. Lord, I'm seeing all these others get blessed. I wanted to be in the new building five years after I became pastor. <laughs> Oops. And I'm saying, Lord, will you at least allow it before our 50th anniversary celebration? But I know this. Even if God says no, that's still an answer. And it changes nothing about God and His greatness and His character and who He is. And so either it's not a need, which is what I kind of keep coming back to because Jesus said, God said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. So it must not be a need because it's not being supplied. Does that make sense? 
That's hard for me to understand when you see people drive in and drive out. Or God has a perfect timing when it will bring him the most glory. And until that time, godliness with contentment is great gain. And don't pick your church based off of whether or not it's too full. But is the Holy Spirit at work? And I should be content with such things as we have. Let's not forget that God makes everything beautiful in His time. And He hath done all things well. And He will continue to do so. The longer I walk with God, the more I am just convinced. He is a good God. Keep trusting Him. Deuteronomy 32.4 He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company. In other words, they went apart to where it was proper to be. They separated themselves to whom they belonged. They returned to their church fellowship. Saints love the fellowship of the saints. They love being in company together. They delight in gathering together. John 13, 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world into the Father, having loved His own, that's the same, same phrase here, having loved His own, which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. You see, there's a place, there's a people to which we belong. It is called here our own company. It's to who you belong. Several times it is translated as a part. For example, when you read Jesus would go apart and pray. It is a separation from the world. It is that which we need in our Christian life. It is our own company. Now, it's interesting that we've landed on this verse in light of what I preached this morning. We talked this morning about the end of Genesis chapter 4 and the distinction between the line of Cain and the line of Seth and and how there was a distinction in the world beginning to take place on them who reject God and those who call upon the name of the Lord. And here we see this distinction between religion and Christianity. Between professors and possessors. The council rejected Christ while Peter and John identified with Christ. Matthew Poole observed this, quote, Sheep with sheep and goats with goats. Though the separation will be made at the last day, the foundation of it is laid here. End quote. We say today, birds of a feather flock together. These two different groups are heading for a clash. They cannot cohabitate the same place. Just as darkness cannot Habitate the light. We can sense this brewing in our nation, can't we? I've said it before. We're in a place now where there is no more, you know, hey, we're good buddies with you on the other side of the aisle after we have our little, 
you know, sessions. No, listen, they cannot cohabitate any longer. There are two different ideologies completely opposed to one another. And that's what we're seeing here. These are two different ideologies. They cannot get along. So what are you saying? You cannot be right with God and be close to the world. Now we're in the world. We got to deal with it. Amen. I get it. But there ought to be a distinct difference. But the question here is that I want to ask you tonight, where do you go? Whose company do you seek when the going gets tough? Because the reality is when the pressure mounts in your life, you will always find yourself going to your own company. And it will reveal where you have rooted yourself. In the parable of the sower, we're told of the seed which fell into stony places. At first, the word was received with joy. And it sprung up, but yet it didn't have a lot of root. And the Bible says, when tribulation and persecution came, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. That word for tribulation there, it literally and figuratively means pressured. When the pressure comes. It's also translated in some verses as afflicted, anguish, burden, persecution, and trouble. So where do you find yourself turning to when the pressure mounts? Where are you rooted? Do you go and binge in front of the television with your favorite show? I'm not talking about, you know, you can't have a TV, okay, Brother Long, it's okay. I'm not, he doesn't have cable though, so it's okay. But he's got every internet streaming service that exists, amen. I'm just kidding, I have no idea. Um, and I don't even know if he has cable and I don't care. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, okay? But what I am saying is when the, when the pressure mounts and, and now you have that, that stress in your life, where do you find yourself turning to? Do you plop down, put in the, you know, a season of something and just sit there? Because I, I get it. I'm not saying that I don't understand that. I, I know the pressures of ministry and I know there's times when you just want to brain break. You know my routine. I go for a drive. That's, that, that's, that's my MO. I mean, I just end up in the squirreliest places. I ended up in San Francisco once. You say, did you know that's where you're going? You left? No, I just got in the car and started driving. It's because I don't want to run. But I want to be moving. Took off running, and next thing you know, the dude ran across the country. That's not me. That's not me. That's the, the politest way I can put it, okay? I know the worldly ones in this church. Don't try to hide it. All right. Do you get lost in your fiction books? That's typically you ladies. Do you roam the internet? Do you reach out to those on social media? Do you play video games for hours on end? This is a big one. Do you view pornography when the pressure mounts? Is that your stress relief? Do you play hobbies? Do you drown your life out with drugs or alcohol? We could go on and on. You will know your company by where you go. 
who you turn to or what you turn to. You will see where your dependence lies. You will see where your weaknesses are and your strengths. The same Greek word for their own company is used by Peter in relation to dogs and pigs in a negative sense. You know the passage, 2 Peter 2.22. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallering in the mire. You can clean up a dog all you want. Put little bows on it, you know. <laughs> Sorry. I, God bless y'all. Amen. I just, I, I'm just not a dog person. I, I just don't get it. Uh, whatever. Sydney went, Sydney picked up another cat down there. I don't know where she got it from. Nobody in our, all right, anyway. Clean up a dog all you want. Let it out in the yard, it's still going to go back to its vomit. Train it all you want. Why? It's its nature. That's what it does. It cannot help but act like a dog. Clean a pig up all you want. Put it in the state fair and get a blue ribbon. At the first chance it gets, it's going right back to the mire. That's what a pig does. It's its nature. You can take the pig out of the mire, but you can't take the mire out of the pig. Maybe you find yourself going to vomit and mire at times. There's a difference between the pig pen or the pigs in the pig pen and the prodigal son. The prodigal eventually comes to himself and he realizes, what am I doing here? I'm going to go back to my father and tell him I'd rather be a slave in your house than live like this. The prodigal comes to himself, returns to the father's house, but you could have took that pig out of those pens, they would have went right back in. It's their own company. If you've never came to yourself and abandoned the pig pen, then are you even in the faith? I'm not here to make you doubt. I don't believe in that. But are you even in the faith? It may be time that you examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith or not. Because your company, it's not this. When the, when the pressure mounts, do you find yourself gravitating to the people of God and the house of God? Do you find yourself in the company of God's people or in the world's people? Do you retreat to God's Word? Do you find your company with God and in His Word? Peter and John here, while under this pressure, listen, they've just been threatened. This isn't, we're going to revoke your parking privileges down at the garage next to the, you know, the sin. This is a big deal. We, we will beat you. We, we will give you 40 lashes, save one, because we want to act merciful. And, and they would do that with the intent of hurting them. And, and when the pressure mounts, they have now returned unto their own company of believers. They return to the church body. And I believe most of you are here tonight because you understand this principle. 
Some of you are being put under pressure. I know because you've shared those things with me and you're here tonight because you need a word from God. You know you need to be among God's people. You know you need to be in God's house. You know you need to be singing the songs of our faith. But I know others who have allowed the pressures to drive them away. Come on now. What did we see in 2020? We saw about 25% of this church body say, no thank you. Listen, that wasn't even tribulation. That was pestilence. Some never came back. You know what they did? They went to their own company. Oh, God help me. I hope you know my heart. Why are some not back tonight? They went to their own company. I'm not talking about those that have to get up early, all those. I get it. All right, I get it. Who's your company? When we turn to worldly things void of God, that's not working for God. Maybe some here tonight, you're backslidden. You need to draw near again. And then some of those that didn't come back, I'm not being ugly, they were just really on the outside. It's not me talking, that's Bible. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. So where do you go? Who is your own company? Do you retreat to God's people and God's house and God's word? Where do you go when the going gets tough? Because that reveals your own company. That reveals where your heart is at. I'll never forget when Pastor Furs was preaching. He would say, who you are in private is who you really are. Let's pray.